0: One Sunday night, I made a mid-message confession. I'm not exactly a good mechanic, and I know it, and everybody who really knows me knows it. But just one sunrise after that Sunday, I decided to save some money and change the spark plugs on my car. I mean, how hard could it be? I bought the plugs, I bought the wires, bought the spark plug wrench, I got out my trusty manual, I opened up the hood, I went to work. I pulled all four old plugs out, and put all four new plugs in. I installed the wires, I brushed my hands off, breathed a sigh of relief, shut the hood, got in the car, turned the key, drove down the street, and my car shook like a leaf in a hurricane. I drove for about a mile, maybe two, just to see if I could drive it off, you know, kind of like you walk off a twisted ankle, but it was none better, but rather grew worse. So I parked it. I called a mechanic who knew what I had done wrong, I didn't think it mattered which order the plugs went in, just as long as they went in. (laughs) Believe me, Shade Tree Mechanics, it matters. So I put them back in the order I thought he told me. I turned the key, and nothing. The car wouldn't even start. So I checked online for crossed spark plug wires, and I read results like, why won't my car start? Why does my car run rough? I saw one that raised my blood pressure 10 points. Why did my engine blow? I thought, oh, no, I, I killed my Camry. A Camry is supposed to be like a beta fish. You're not supposed to be able to kill one, but I think I did. I'm just, I'm not a good mechanic. I'm, I'm not really good with tools. If it has a motherboard, I'm much better with it. So imagine my surprise when my mother-in-law asked me to come out to their house to help them set up a U.S. Army-issued military tent for their garage sale. In the back of my mind, I can see disabled leaf blowers and broken weed eaters and a Toyota I put on life support, all with my fingerprints on them. And I thought, does she really want me to come out and set up a U.S. Army-issued military tent people are going to trust enough with their life to walk under? But she was serious. So we packed up the girls and headed to her house. And when we got there, thankfully, my mother-in-law's husband and his friend were already hard at work. The tent was already out, they were measuring, they were hammering the stakes, they were setting the stakes. I couldn't get there at the beginning of the day because I was preaching somewhere that afternoon, so when we pulled up there about three o'clock in the afternoon, Larry and Dwayne were there already working, already sweating, they were almost finished and we were just beginning. And as I found my place to work at the very end of that day around the tent, I was reminded of the story Jesus told in Matthew 20, and I want to share it with you right after this. Hey, good day to you, Simplify listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry. I'm your host, and you're listening to 11th Hour Workers on Simplify. A businessman owned a vineyard, and he was looking for workers to come and help him out. Each morning, men gathered in the public square, ready to work. And bosses came looking for hard workers to do day labor for them. If the owner picked them, they would have food for their families that night. They literally lived day to day. Around six o'clock that morning, the boss came to the square to hire workers for work. And some of you didn't even know there is a six o'clock in the morning. But the boss was greeted by a group of workers eager to get to work and eager to get paid. But how much? For this first shift, this 6 a.m. shift, they agreed on a penny. Not a shiny President Lincoln penny, but a denarius, which was a, still a pretty generous day's pay. Three hours later, the boss went back to the square looking for new hires, and lo and behold, more workers waiting. So he told them, hey, why don't you go to work in my vineyard, and I will give you whatever's fair, which is different from what he told the first shift. That They would just have to trust him. The first shift knew exactly how much they were making. No mention of a penny or denarius for this shift. Just go to work. I'll take care of you. Trust me and they did three hours later it was noon six hours later 3 o'clock all the same scene each time he went back to the square each time he found more workers waiting each time he hired them to work until sundown and trust him to take care of them but this year was a bumper crop even with four shift of workers working he needed more help but it was already 5 o'clock just one more hour until it's time to ring the bell and head home but the boss went back to the square one more time, this time at 5 p.m. And surprise, surprise, even more workers waiting. He asked a pretty pressing question. Um, why aren't you guys working? And they answered, oh, nobody hired us. I mean, we'd work if somebody hired us, but nobody's hiring. The boss told them, well, you go to work in my vineyard and I'll give you whatever's fair. So they went and they worked for an hour. At 6 o'clock, the boss called a supervisor over and told him, Get all the workers together, you pay them. But start at the last ones, start at the 5 p.m. shift, and finish with the first ones, the 6 a.m. shift. Supervisor rang the bell and gathered all the workers in line. It was payday at the end of the day. The long line started with the workers who came in just one hour earlier. They had barely gotten their hands dirty by the time the bell rang. So they held out their clean hands as the supervisor dropped a shiny denarius in their hands, a day's wage for an hour's work. That's generous anywhere. And that kind of generosity is called grace. It's getting what we really want, but really don't deserve. As those one-hour workers ran home with their meal money, the workers who came earlier got excited. And if they made a denarius for only an hour's work, how much will the boss give me? Surely he'll give more to the people who worked more. They did the easy math, one denarius for one hour. I worked three hours, I should get three. Well, I worked six hours, I should get six. I worked nine, I should get nine. All the way down to the workers who worked 12 long hours. Once the one-hour workers were gone, it was time to pay the three-hour workers. They had worked long enough to work up a sweat, but not long enough to be exhausted. The supervisor dropped one denarius into the first worker's hand. Then he called out, next. And with his one single shiny denarius, the first man of the fourth shift, headed home. That was still generous. He only worked three hours and was paid for a full day. It was time to pay the workers who came at noon, and then at nine, and they were all paid the same. One denarius. A day's pay for far less than a day's work. Finally, it was time for the last group, the first shift group. They were jolly on the spot in the square before six in the morning. They had worked in the blazing sun for 12 long hours, did more work than any other group, and more work than some of the other groups combined. They were the trusty, reliable, early bird workers, first ones in, last ones out. Their hands were stained with grapes, their clothes with sweat. No way their wives would let them plop down on the couch in those clothes. Thank God for a mudroom. They watched how the payroll line worked so far. No matter when everybody clocked in, they were all paid the same, one denarius per person. A full day's pay for less than a full day's work, but these guys were different. They did work a full day. They were the boss's first hires. Surely he felt a special bond, a special responsibility to them. As they waited their turn in line, they they even ribbed a few of the other guys for sleeping in all the way until nine or even till noon. The supervisor grinned at their job site jokes. But when it was time to pay them, the first first shift worker held out his purple-stained hands. the supervisor dropped one denarius into his hands and called out, Next! Hmm. There's got to be a mistake. We've been here all day. We've got the stains and the sweat to prove it. But the boss paid us just like we're no better than anybody else in this entire vineyard. You you asked the boss to come out here. We want a word with him. We deserve better than this. The boss came out of the office and listened to their complaint, and they made a strong case. If the vineyard business didn't work out, they might ply their trade at lawyering. But then the Bible tells us the boss's answer. I see him put his hand on his first first shift worker's broad, sweaty shoulder and say, friend, I'm not being unfair to you. We agreed at the beginning of the day that you were going to work for one denarius, did we not? So what if I want to pay the one-hour worker the same as I paid you. can I do what I want to do with my own money? Are you really jealous? Because I am gracious? Maybe the boss could be a lawyer. The last of the first shift workers headed for home, hoping for meatloaf night, as they held their shiny denarius in their hands. And Jesus wrapped up this story when he said, So the last shall be first, and the first shall be last, for many are called, but few are chosen. Here's what this story means for us. Those Christians who were born again into the early church, they were promised and they were given a heavenly inheritance that Peter describes as incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for us. Too wonderful for words. That's what heaven will be. And they were the first shift workers who followed Jesus under the scorching sun of persecution. Many of them were crucified. They were dragged to death, stoned to death, shipwrecked, fed to lions. Some of them were lit as human torches to light Nero's garden. They worked in the hardest and the hottest conditions. And when they passed from this life to the next, they heard the master say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. But here we are. We have been born and born again around the 11th hour. And yet, thankfully, Jesus came by and called us just like he called them. And some of us have faced persecution, and some of us around the world are still facing persecution. But most of us, especially in North America, have not faced persecution in the measure the first century church faced. Yet here we stand, working in our master's fields on the threshold of the coming of the Lord. For the purpose of this parable, the sun is setting, six o'clock is coming, and we are about to receive our reward. And here is our reward. For us 11th hour laborers who may not face persecution in the same measure as those in the first century faced, our reward will be, well done, good and faithful servant. The same words Jesus spoke to them, he will speak to us. And the same heaven they inherited, we will inherit. I know, I get it, that doesn't sound fair, and you're absolutely right. It's not fair, it's grace. God is. Is gracious. He gives us exceeding more than we deserve. That's the bigger application. That's the application that makes us say, Wow, what a gracious God. Now here's the smaller one, and this is the one that might make us a little bit jealous. There will be people born again into the kingdom of God just before Jesus comes back. And for our generation, they're the last shift workers. And yet some of you listening, you've been following Jesus for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. You're the first shift workers of your generation. You worshiped God when the town did throw rotten tomatoes at you and pulled down your tent in the middle of your tent meeting. And I say thank you. Thank you for being willing to serve God, follow Jesus, be unashamed of him. You were there when the sun came up and the apostolic light began to shine in your city. Your fingerprints, your handiwork, they're all over the church and the building where the church you worship with worships. And you are receiving in your reward in this life, abundant life, and will receive your reward in the life to come. One day you will hear him who created you, who called you, who saved you say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But let's be honest. One simple scroll in our newsfeed tells us there's so much work to be done, which means the master is not finished hiring yet which means he's going to go back to the square and he's going to go back to the altar to find more and more to work in his fields. And when those 11th hour laborers come in your doors, they will experience the same amazing grace of God you have and their soul will be soaked in the same glory of God as yours is and they will inherit the same heaven as you are. Don't be jealous because God is gracious. The 11th hour Laborers, they're going to come in with addictions and baggage and tattoos and piercings everywhere and stories that will make you blush. And maybe by the grace of God, you have lived your life as clean cut as you can. Don't be jealous because God is gracious. That's the extravagant grace Jesus parades in this parable. Grace God will give to those who come to faith in him just before he comes back for them because God is not interested in everybody being equal. He's interested in everybody being saved. There are two prayers I want to pray. The first one is for those who are the first shift workers. You've been living for God for much of your life, perhaps possibly even most of your life. I want to pray that God would help you to be gracious, help you to be grateful, help you to be glad when God reaches out in the altars and in the public square and brings in those 11th hour laborers. I want to pray that God would help you to be grateful and gracious to them. And to you 11th hour laborers, I want to pray that God will speak to you and let you know that he loves you just like he loves those who came a long, long, long time ago. And he has the same heaven for you as he has for them. Thank God he is gracious. God help us not to be jealous. Lord, thank you today. You are so gracious, abundantly, abundantly gracious. Thank you, Lord, for the goodness you've shown to me and to my family, to our church family all these years. I thank you, Lord. I, do, I pray for all of those who have been living for you for some time. Please don't let us be jealous. As you reach out for more and more people, God, help us to be thankful, to be grateful, not territorial, not jealous, but thankful and grateful you are reaching 11th hour laborers. And I pray, God, you would use them mightily, use them just like you have used us, minister through them and to them, just as you have ministered through us and to us. And even more so as we approach the coming of the Lord, I pray for those 11th hour laborers, God, that you would help them to know your grace and to feel your grace and to know that you love them just like you love us. Help them, Lord, never to feel any less and help us never to feel any more. Help us simply, Jesus, to do all we can to work side by side, shoulder to shoulder, and do the work you have called us to do until you come back. I want to hear you say, well done, and I want to hear you say to others, well done. I pray this today, and I thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, thanks so much, Simplify listeners. Be sure to click subscribe, click share. You'll never miss an episode. Your friends never have to miss an episode. And be sure to share this with somebody. Maybe you know a first shift laborer worker who's been living for God for a long time. Share this episode with them. Or maybe you know an 11th hour last shift worker. Share this with them and let them know they're no less and we are no better than anybody else. Visit pentecostalpublishing.com. Great resources, including two books that I have written. One called Simplify that launched the podcast and the other one, called Ten Words, a practical look at the Ten Commandments. You can get both of those at PentecostalPublishing.com. They're also available on Amazon for Kindle. And you can listen to Ten Words on Audible. If you prefer to listen rather than read, For those of you who are watching the counter, we just crossed over 95,000 downloads. So we're closer to 100,000 than we are to 90. So that's exciting. I'm so excited to get close to that 100,000 download. Thank you for being a part of Simplify and everything God is doing through it. Next week, I want to share with you a devotion God has really been dealing with me about lately. It's very somber, but I want to share with you a devotion called The Fear of the Lord. I believe God is calling us back, especially here in North America, to a very real fear of the Lord where we're not afraid and run from him, but we're in awe of him and we run from sin because we want to be close to him. I'm going to share that with you next week. Lord willing, I'm looking forward to that. And I always look forward to walking closer with our Jesus as we walk through Simplify.